Alchemy is an ancient practice associated with science, chemistry, physics, astronomy, astrology, art, symbology, metallurgy, medicine, and philosophical analysis. And despite that these sciences were not exercised in a scientific way as known today, alchemy is the origin of modern logic. Dear listeners, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh, and welcome to another episode of Friday Night Live with your host, Nasser Al Khatib, and your co host, Amr Sari. Assalamu alaikum, brother Amr. Assalamu alaikum. As you may probably know, we've been doing a series on the media, Muslims and the media, and we've had a number of guests, um, very high quality guests, all made in China. Uh, we had our first guest was Kaiser Trad, and we had a very enjoyable discussion about the media and uh, civilizational struggle. It was, it was amazing. I uh, invite you all to listen to the podcast, inshallah. We also spoke to brother Dr. Uh, Zakaria Matthews from JMA, Just Media Advocacy. And we also had a very enjoyable chat with him about the media's or the, the you know, non-Muslim media's lack of knowledge about Islam, which may lead... Um, at the end of the day, to many of the misunderstandings that we may get. Um, we also spoke to the crew from the Y Factor, and that was a very interesting and very different um, um, take on you know the Muslims and the media, because from this side, it was actually the Muslims who were creating the media or who were controlling the media and uh, their interaction as well with the community. And uh, now we come to the end of our series, uh, which is very exciting for us because our guest today is almost greater than all of our previous guests ever. Astaghfirullah. <laughs> or maybe he's just a really cool guy that we like uh, hanging out with. Um, our guest today is uh, Brother Ahmed Kilnani, editor of uh, Muslim Village. Brother Ahmed, assalamu alaikum. Alaikum assalamu alaikum How are you? Alhamdulillah, I'm good. And, um, I'm not made in China, but I'm happy to be here. Alhamdulillah. As, as long as you're happy to be here, that's the most important thing. Welcome aboard. Uh, thank you. Um, so how was your tea? Oh, it was very nice, yes. Okay, I didn't tell you, but we're not supposed to have drinks here, but I've got my drink, so <laughs> it's fine. It's okay, Well, it's, yeah, I just could do with a bit more sugar. Um, yeah. Another I, sugar. I know I always say that I'm Australian, but there's some things of Egypt that you can't take out of me. That's true. That's true. <laughs> Same with me, but I never said I was Australian, so I can always get away with it. Um, so, yes, we're going to talk about the media and the Muslim community's interaction with the media. This very interesting dynamic that always sees... Uh, Muslims get bashed um, and sort of, uh, you know, as far as I can see, it goes on a cycle. So every couple of weeks, a, a issue comes up and it has to do with the same five things. Women, jihad, terrorism, sharia, and um, halal. And halal and yeah, halal <laughs> meter, something that's coming up as well. So um, again, you know, because there's a cycle, there's of course some sort of policy, there's some sort of system, and we have to understand the system so that we can represent ourselves better, so that when people see us, they don't see the next crazy person with a beard who's wielding a sword, or a alternative, um, you know, what's an alternative to a sword now, a current... Um, what, an iPad? An iPad, yes. No. Mm. IPad <laughs> like a done-up uh, Civic or something. Yeah, something like that. So, uh, yes, um, Ahmed... Tell us about Muslim Village. I know that when I was in Melbourne, I was hearing about Muslim Village and I was mostly an Aussie Muslims kind of guy. And okay. I just heard, you know, Islamic Sydney, Aussie Muslims is something interesting. So tell us how it started and, you know, when did it start? Uh, it started in 2001. Mm -hmm. um, I think it was actually about August 20th, 20 something of August. 
three weeks before September 11, three or four weeks before September 11. And we started it off actually as IslamicSydney.com, yep. which was it was actually an idea of a friend of mine called Sam DeFrancesco, yep. who's, who's a Muslim convert uh, brother. Nice. And uh, he came up with the idea of putting something together, a web portal before the Sydney Olympics, mm-hmm. to allow people to come in and uh, find out, you know, visitors from overseas to find mosques and halal restaurants. And, and uh, obviously we, being uh, the way we are, we missed the Olympics altogether, but we still pursued the project. And we launched it, and it's, that's how it basically started, really, with just a directory, bit of news from overseas, alternative news. Um, and then we actually started putting on events later, and then we created the forums. Um, and we started, to, we changed the name for, to the forums to Muslim Village. Mm-hmm. So it was usually the Muslim Village forums and Islamic Sydney main page. Okay. And it was really a good, the forums was really, really popular. Um, in its heyday, I think Facebook sort of killed us off a little bit. <laughs> I mean, but we, till date, um, have, I think, over 900,000 posts there. Uh, and our biggest post, I think, is Hanan Dover yep. with 26,000 or I can't remember, 20-something thousand posts. <laughs> we used to have Walid Ali posting on there. So That's a lot of posts. Oh, yeah, it is. It is. Um, pretty much... Uh, uh, Nazim Hussain used to part everyone you could think of in the community that's uh, mm. uh, from a pretty bit older now mm. uh, came on and we used to have a lot more discussion with non-Muslims mm. uh, as well in the beginning so you debate everything um, so and it was a very very fluid uh, and very very fast paced uh, environment yeah. is, it, uh, is, it, is it difficult to be fair and balanced when moderating a forum with uh, a diverse range of uh, ideas can you, can you be like Switzerland and, and, and just stay neutral no you can't <laughs> how, do you, how do you strike that balance? You're going to always have to draw a line some, at some time or another. You will have to draw a line. Um, and really where you decide to draw that line, I guess, will come down a lot of the times to the personal way of thinking of people, the people running the website. Um, this open democracy system, if you, I think that's a fallacy. <laughs> uh, just like, you know, Rupert Murdoch would probably like his newspapers to express the way he thinks um i think you will find that the that happens with any sort of media so and it just comes down because you're making judgment calls so obviously you're making judgment calls within your own way of thinking so you know we've been uh, i guess uh, criticized a lot uh, called all sorts of things from certain segments of the community um yes and uh, one one part of that of course we had that was a bit controversial with the uh, I know one of our greatest critics is the Hasb Tahrir uh, group, who, uh, yes, we did censor from the, the forums for, for a whole heap of reasons. Yeah. Um, but e- e- even though you're in agreement with a lot of them, I mean, with them about a lot of things, for example, that democracy doesn't really work, as you just mentioned. Well, I believe that, uh, as I said to them uh, from a personal opinion, and mind you, we have a board of about five uh, members. So, so it's not just you? No. Okay. So whenever we make a decision, I don't go and say, hey, I'm doing this, Ahmed Kalani decides to do this. It's There's a whole process that we go through. Um, uh, you know, you have been quickly frank here. We're talking about ASWJ as well, the yep. reason why um, you know, we used to promote all their activities quite heavily until we had an incident with Habib Omar uh, when he came. Okay. Uh, and they were very, very uh, scathing of, of, of him. Uh, yeah. Openly, mm-hmm. and then we had a situation where we were hosting organisations that were supporting the tour. Quite a few of them, uh, senior organisations as well, and, and then an organisation that was criticising it. Um, now, that, you know, with that one, we just basically said, "Look, 
you need guys, you need to take this down because you can't attack other organisations even though you might not agree with what they're doing. That's fine, we understand that. Um, and they said, no, uh, basically at the end of the day, we're not doing it. And then we said, okay, well, if you don't do it, we have, we're going to take your stuff down. Yeah. Yeah. And um, they basically said, well, okay, do that if, you, if it's what you have to do. Um, so that was a decision we took there. With HT, um, it was probably two factors. One, I personally don't believe the... And, and that was the attitude of our board as well, that, that methodology for us, our whole purpose a lot of the time is dawah. What we're doing is we're educating Muslims and non-Muslims about the deen. Yeah. So when we believe that a methodology, um, you know, the HT methodology, doesn't mean we're anti-Khalifa or, or anything like that, but I believe that uh, the methodology they use in Australia, it's more probably turns people against Islam than, than for yep. Islam. Yep. Uh, so the decision that we took, that was part of it. But at the same time as well, the method that they used to come on, a lot of people coming on a discussion and it gets very heated. Mm. After a while, you get very tired from moderating mm. the, the type of thing over and over again. Mm. And that's basically really what so we're So let me just understand this correctly. The censorship comes from logistical limitations rather than... Oh, no, I wouldn't say that'd be unfair to say that it's only yeah. logistical. Because, but I mean, it's, it's a part of, it was part of the, the thing. And look, okay. and, and might I add too, you know, when I talk about these things, I have no problem personally with any of the, any of the guys from there. Um, I have a lot of respect for them. Um, and if I see them, oh, you know, we'll talk, it's, everything is normal. Um, mm. So, but we get into these, you know, you would have seen sometimes online yes, course, discussions yeah. and things. But, and this is the thing as a community that I don't think we, we've sort of like learned yet that mm. just because we disagree, it doesn't mean that we're enemies mm. or, or doesn't mean that we, you know, yeah. it's not, shouldn't be like that. There, there is too much black and white, bad guy, good guy mentality well, going on. Yeah, community. we That's should true. all, we're all Muslim brothers and sisters at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, and we might disagree on certain things, but we should just take it easy a little bit with each other. So, um, and that's really more was more frustrating for us is that continually having to go through these battles, and uh, then after a while we say, look, you know, what's the purpose mm. of doing mm. it? Because I've got volunteer, we've got volunteer moderators, and mm. it gets difficult. So it is, it is a tricky balance, uh, and you know, I, we've been called, uh, I get called a. A Sufi lover, a Salafi lover, a Shia lover, <laughs> a hypocrite, um, dictator, Pharaoh, Mubarak. Um, <laughs> um, look, I think sometimes they say if you, if everyone hates you, then you might be doing something. Uh, you might be doing something right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's fair yeah. and balanced, maybe. Yeah, yeah. You, you expect these things all the time. I mean, I was talking to um, we were t- when we were talking to the Y Factor crowd as well. They were telling me that they were getting the same thing as well, which is, you know, hate mail, just very aggressive um, messages from, you know, the older crowd who weren't happy with their, uh, I don't know, with their casual way of presenting um, yes. their show or with others who, you know, strongly disagreed with them. But that's, I guess that's the Muslim community. They're not yet used to accepting the other's opinion. Yeah, it's like, uh, I guess it's a bit uh, unfortunate when you see it happening with a younger generation, but... When it comes to, I guess, what do they say, you know, as a non-Muslim, they say you don't discuss politics and religion. Mm. <laughs> and they're two things that people are always very passionate about. So, yeah, And the, well, the HT example, that's putting, putting mm. both of them together. So. <laughs> Actually, no, I mean, I'm not sure about other communities, but, uh, for example, in the Iraqi communities, when we have, um, you know, sittings and we just go and visit each other, we actually go through, and this is for years I've been seeing it, we go through, hello, how are you, the food is good, Politics, 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 religion, 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 politics, politics. Okay, see you later. Mm. It always goes like that. They never talk about movies. They never talk what about, about uh, conspiracy theories. Yeah, of course, that's part of the politics. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the Arabs love a good conspiracy yeah, theory. As always, as always. Mm. Um, so tell us about um, the Islamoph- not Islamophobia, but 
the apparently negative uh, perception or the negative coverage of the media of Islam. This is a question that we've been asking everybody. Yes. Is it the, Muslim, uh, the fault of the Muslims? Is there an Islamophobic um, view of Islam by the media? Is it some sort of, uh, like uh, Amr said, a conspiracy? How, how do you see it? Look, I don't think it's just one element. It's a whole host of things. Um, at the end of the day, what people have to understand, the media is a business. That's really what it comes down to. And the people that run the media, whether you're a newspaper proprietor, you own a radio station, you're a producer of a radio station, your whole business is to generate money. That's how it works. So for a newspaper proprietor, they know if they put up a story with some Muslim did this, Muslim did that, they see that sales go up for the newspaper, well, guess what they're going to do? They're going to do that again. So is it about news or is it entertainment or is it a bit of both? Well, it's not really news when you look at it these way. I mean, if it's, you're looking at, if it's, they're looking at factual things, they take a lot of the news and sometimes distort it to what they want it to come out looking like. And at the same time, you have the other problem, which is from the Muslim community point of view, we haven't really been dealing very well with the media ourselves. So when something does happen or comes up, the way that we've been responding to it has not been helping the problem. I've got a question on that. Yeah, I, you know, there seems to be many different uh, spokespeople for the Muslim community. And, you know, um, I mean, why do you think this is? And um, do you nominate a group or a, a person to, to speak on behalf of the community? Because it seems like there's not a consistent, um, there's not a consistent message coming from the, um, from the community when these stories are um, hashed up. Unfortunately, I think that issue is probably, uh, I guess it's really a symptom of a bigger issue. And it's not really the media response issue. It's an issue of leadership in our community. And unfortunately, we do not have proper leadership, sadly to say, whether it's a a national peak body or a state level. um, There's no real body that stands out there that truly represents the whole community, even though we're very divided as ethnically and generationally and all sorts of things, but that still does not mean that we can't have a united voice, for example. We can't have the equivalent of care in America to come mm. out when something happens. They come out and speak, and they're the only ones that speak. We, as a, fortunately, as a community, we haven't reached that stage yet. We, inshallah, we hope we can in the future. Inshallah. But the problem is when you don't have that, it's really easy pickings for the media as well. They, they, I mean, how the media works, something happens, a uh, story breaks, for example. Well, let's use the example of the Sharia whipping that we had last year. So that story will come up from a police report that will go over the news wires. The journalists will see it, and they'll say, oh, okay, what's going on here? It's a, it becomes a Muslim issue. Then the first thing they'll do, they'll open their book. Who do I know in the community that I can talk to? Oh, Kesa, he's really good. He returns all phone calls. I'll go speak to Kesa. They'll mm. ring Kesa up. Yep, I'll give you a comment on it, whatever you want. So they know that case is a person to go to because at the end of the time they've got deadlines and they need to get someone on camera to speak with. So if they've got someone to go to, like if you made life really easy for them and we had a body that was engaging with them on a constant basis, not just when stuff happens, um, then they would come and uh, talk to you. Mm-hmm. So, uh, And that's really a full-time job. If we had a full-time team of maybe three or four people, and this is one big criticism I have of our community. We're spending millions of dollars building mosques, schools, you know, 
all this solid concrete infrastructure, but we need other infrastructure. We need stuff like this place, like radio stations. We need things like an advocacy group that has a team of lawyers attached to it, a team of professional public uh, relations people, a team of people that are engaging with the politicians on a full-time basis that can respond to the person that gets you know, discriminated at work or when the media does do something, we can hold them to account. Uh, and, and things have started in that way. I know with uh, Zachariah Matthews, for example, the... Just media advocacy, he's taken on the role of, you know, doing that. A community representative. Well, he's basically keeping the, I guess, the media to account when they do publish something that's factually incorrect, Mm. he will challenge that. Yeah. And and that's what happens if you know I'll give you a really good story quickly about the Jewish community. Um, mm. I got I actually make it a habit to get to befriend a lot of the journalists. So um, if I see someone write something really bad, I actually will email them and we'll say to them, "Hey, that was really shocking. How can you write that? Do you know anyone in the community?" And look, nine out of ten times they will engage with you. They'll email you back. Mm. And then I usually try and either um, swap phone calls or have a meet up for a coffee or lunch, and you get to actually start engaging with them. Does that help, or really it doesn't? Oh, it yes, doesn't, yeah. it helps a lot. Oh, really? Okay. Yes, yes. And now, do you do you see from these journalists um, sort of a welcoming to, to engage with you, or are they just sort of standoffish or fearful of you in the beginning? No, they actually want to engage. But look, there's certain media you have to be very careful with. Um, like News Limited media, I'm 100% certain there's something coming from way up the top, it's an agenda run thing, and I know for a fact that there's people get they get told your job is to go and find dirt on the Muslim community and publish it. That's okay. all I want you to do here. Yeah. That's what your job is. Yeah. And and they come out and you see it's the same guys reporting all these silly things over and over again. So for example, I don't engage with News Limited at all because I think it's a waste of time. Um, I'm not going to try. I've tried in the past, and I realise it's a waste of time. But say the Sydney Morning Herald. Um, uh, TUE, ABC, SBS, Channel 7, Channel 9, even TGB on some certain individuals there, um, you can engage at a certain level. And mm. what happens is when they engage with you, and he, the journalist becomes my friend, and I'm having lunch with him, and I know about his family, and you know he knows about mine. I've had people come to my, journalists come to my house and meet my family. Now, they're not going to go and write rubbish on you. Because they're going to have to face you next time. Yeah. You know, they're going to try and be a bit more fair and balanced. At the same time, they're getting a better understanding of our community. Mm-hmm. We're not just some alien that's uh, out there. This so was I, another question that I wanted to ask you. Uh, prior to meeting you, had they had any real contact with Muslims? A lot of them had none. Okay. No contact at all. What's the biggest um, uh, misconception that you find well, when, when, you, when, you, when you're dealing with the uh, media, non-Muslims? They really don't understand the community at all. Um, you know, a lot of them just see that we're Arabs is the biggest misconception, um, that we're uneducated. They don't realise that, you know, probably the biggest group, or it is the biggest group, is Australian-born Muslims who are people that came, were born here um, uh, or came here at a very young age. So they were schooled here. That's about 80% of the community. Uh, And it doesn't help when our spokespeople, a lot of the times, are people that don't represent that demographic, you know. Uh, and it's like the, the, we come across as being ethnic Muslims when we're, when, when we're not. Mm. So all those misconceptions, um, they can... Look, I don't blame them sometimes for having that. It's because of lack of engagement from our side. Um, there's some of them look that they've got big issues with Islam and Muslims, undoubtedly. No matter how much you engage with them, they look... They just That's how I feel, and this is what I'm going to report, bad luck. But... The example I was going to give with the Jewish community, like I, I said to one of the guys, uh, the national security guy uh, at one of the major newspapers, I won't, I won't name who he is, mm. uh, it was a few years back, and he's, I said to him, look, after we get to know him, I said, look, how come you guys are so biased and you're reporting on Palestine? 
And he said to me, look, we're not deliberately biased, but if we write something that's really criticizing Israel heavily, what happens to us is that we will get 100 phone calls of complaint. Wow. We will get submissions of complaint to the press council. We will get 50 emails to respond to. We will get direct phone calls. We will get letters to the directors of the, of the board of the... Wow. We will get... Well, I just mentioned the, the company there. <laughs> but, uh, um, so what happens we'll, we'll, is... We'll, 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 we'll edit that bit yeah, out, yeah, won't yeah, we, yeah, Norsa? Yeah, yeah, I'm sure you will. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I don't really mind anyway. Uh, look, so what happens is that... Th- this is what they said to me. So we can't keep responding to that. We will the first time. We will the second time. But after a while, we haven't got the resources to actually respond to that type of you know, formidable way of attacking us, really, in a, in a sense. So what happens is we stop going down that way of reporting because we don't want to deal with the consequences afterwards. Okay. And this is something that we should learn from the community. And we've started doing these things like with what Brother Zachariah, Dr. Zachariah is doing, that if we had something, for example, um, and this is something that actually I'm trying to establish with a few guys this year called a Islamophobia Watch, where if something happens and we have a team of, say, 100 people, we say, right, you 30 guys, you need to ring in this phone number right now and complain. It's kind of like what CARE do with their action alerts. Well, exactly. Yeah. because like that, what that uh, LoonWatch website does as well. Exactly. I mean, mm. we've got the technology now. We, we, we can do it. I mean, I would love to have a, you know, a fundraiser to raise you know, $100,000 to run something like that part-time rather than $5 million for a mosque that you, you know, you'll get, it's only full on Fridays. Mm. <laughs> mm. Um, but you know, that's something really that we really, really need. We really need something like that. And you will make a difference. And, and I, you know, we've seen it a few times. We've done a few little things. Uh, and I'll give you one example. A few years back, 2GB, for example, ran some really, one of their guys, I think in the afternoon show, I can't remember who it was. Really James, James Morrison? Uh, I can't remember. I really I wouldn't want to say. <laughs> yeah, okay. yep. But it was really bad. And uh, myself and Kesa actually back then, we said, okay, how are we going to respond to this? Let's buy the transcript. So you can actually buy, you know, everything that's said on radio is recorded. Okay. Um, you know, people ringing in, whatever said. So we bought the transcript, which actually says exactly what the guy said. It's pretty expensive buying those transcripts. It is. And, and, and tapes, <laughs> from, I think you buy them from uh, media monitors. Yeah, it's really, really expensive. Mm. We were actually, we were lucky because we had guys in there that were sympathetic to what was happening to the Muslim community and they were giving but, us whatever we want for free. Oh, wow. So, that's, that's very good yeah. because I know how expensive transcripts yes. and audio recordings yeah. are. So what we actually did, we monitored that radio talkback show for a week, and we just sat down there and wrote down all the advertisers. So How long did that take? It, yeah, well, it took us a week to do it, you know. But this was before the t- age where you had internet, like where we would have put all the advertisers on there yeah, and stuff. Yeah. So then, then what we did, we went to those companies, and there were major companies like Westpac and RMA. Um, some of them were smaller companies. And we basically said, you're an advertiser on this show, this is your equal opportunity and you know, open policy from your corporate structure. This is what was said on that show. How do you feel about it? So we pretty much left it open. What ended up happening is a few guys actually wrote to TGB and said, um, we're not really happy about this, um, about these comments being made on the shows that we advertise on, um, and which was okay. A few of them, most of them actually wrote back to us saying it's got nothing to do with us. You, I think you know, I know who you're talking about. Uh, I can't. I understand. I'm not, I didn't, I'm not yeah. saying because I don't know. I'm yeah. telling you. I'm saying because I don't know. I don't really yeah. remember. That yeah. um, what ended up happening is one company actually pulled their advertising because the, it was. Uh, I think it was called Modern Shutters, and the guy said, "I have so many Muslim workers, and I'm deeply hurt and offended by these comments. Yeah. I'm pulling my account." And the next day, 2GB went on 
Radio. Uh, Jim Ball? Yeah, that's the one. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not sure. I can't okay. say. <laughs> um, uh, it's the name of the presenter. But yeah, he's pretty vicious with what he says. Um, they actually pulled their advertising, and 2GB got really, really upset. And they I, went, I remember that, actually. They went the next day mm. on radio, attacked mm. Case of Trad, and the newspaper as well, there was an article attacking Case of Trad on, uh, I think, in the, in the Daily Telegraph. Um, and because why? Because what did we do? We hurt them in... With money, yeah. financially. Where it hurts, basically. And this is all they really care about. They don't care about you suing them. Instead of uh, addressing the untruths by the commentator, yep. they'd rather go after the person actually making the complaint rather than looking at uh, what the, com- oh, the, the commentator was saying. If you hurt them financially, um, you, they're going to get upset. Mm. Um, we did something similar with the Daily Telegraph as well through Muslim Village forums. We, we asked everyone to collect all the racist and derogatory comments on their, you know, people after the articles that allow people to leave comments. Oh, and, no, that was going to take years to do because there's just so many hateful comments. Well, we have a lot of people on our forums. <laughs> so what we said, we set up this thing. I said, whenever you find something, you stick the comment in here because they take them down a lot of the times mm. and put the date that you found it, put the hyperlink and just leave it here. And we started collecting them, and people were writing it like from our, you know, on our forum users saying, "This is so depressing reading this yeah. stuff. Why are you allowed?" Yeah. To, I said, "Just, just collect it, and not just against Muslims, against anything that's racist, basically." Yeah. And then one day we got a phone call. I got a phone call from people at Media Watch, mm-hmm. uh, ABC TV, saying, "We want to do a story on blog comments. Can you help us?" I said, "Can I help you?" Why did they call you? <laughs> Um, again, you engage with the community, with the oh, media all the time, and yeah. you find what happens with media is people move around from different companies. Mm. So you can move them around, and they might get a job doing something behind the scenes. They might not be a producer, or mm. so. Was it had a contact that I had? It's, that it's, I it seems like it's a, it's a small circle in, the, in in the media world that people just move around from one media company to another media company. It's it is not a massive circle, but I wouldn't mm. say it's small. But it's sure. not really you know massive as well. Yeah. So we gave. Uh, uh, it, was, it was actually a girl. Uh, we gave her all the stuff. It would have been uh, a, a treasure trove of, uh, oh. of information. She would have been uh, cheering well, all the what information. What ended up happening is ABC Media Watch ended up running a whole, I think it was a 10-minute segment, um, using everything that we gave them. But how they did it, they were very clever. They took all the comments and they went to, because obviously the Daily Telegraph, it was all from the Daily Telegraph, uh, that's owned by News Limited. So the sister newspaper of that is the Herald Sun in Melbourne, and you've got the Courier Mail in Brisbane. So what they did, they went to the editor of the Herald Sun, and they said, would you publish these comments? Oh, I would never publish these comments. This is outright racism and outrageous. Yeah. Then they went, and they put it all in writing, you know how they, they sure. present it. Then they took it to, you can actually find this online uh, if you search for it. Then they went to the Courier Mail, did the same thing, said the same thing, and then they went one step further. They took it to the Human Rights Commissioner. And wow. said, what do you think? He goes, this is racist. This is disgusting. This is deplorable. Then they went to the editor of the Daily Telegraph at the end. And they said, how can you justify this? And he was just trying to make up all these excuses. You know, uh, it's freedom of speech. This is the great thing that we have. <laughs> sure, you know, freedom of speech. When it's attacking mm. Muslims or others, it's freedom of speech. But when Muslims come out and say something... No, 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 you have to limit your freedom of speech. Yeah. You know? it's, a, it's not freedom of speech anymore. It's, a, it's racist or it's derogatory did or they, it's illegal. Did they mention you in the credits when they were running? Well, the- this is what happened. It was really, really quite funny. Um, I knew the show was going to air, obviously. So I went and put, like uh, me, you know, I always put these silly comments all over the place on yeah. Facebook and things. <laughs> so I went there and I said, everyone that was complaining as to why we've been collecting this, watch Media Watch tonight. 
with a little smiley, winky, (laughs) winky, smiley, hint, hint. Yes. Uh, So what happened is I didn't know, but the I actually also knew the online editor of the Daily Telegraph was a guy by the name of Tim Blair, who still writes for them, and he his uh, blog posts had comments that I believe were even worse. Uh, really, really racist, shocking stuff. So I actually told them, well, and Media Watch used that as well. Mm. Well, Tim Blair's the online editor, and look what he has on his thing. So it was really embarrassed him really, really badly. Um, but then I didn't know that someone was monitoring our forums, besides Asia and you know everyone else that likes to monitor yeah, yeah. our forums. So from Tim Blair's site, and then they went and put two and two together. They looked at the researchers for Media Watch, so they worked knew that out it was you. Ahmed Kalani worked before with this reporter on something else. Wow. Um, this is all the stuff on his forums. That's the stuff that they showed. Then guess what happened the next day? Newspaper article in The Australian. Uh, ABC's jihadist sources. <laughs> right? And then they said, these are the comments on Muslim Village Forum. And they had all these comments about, you know, someone put some crazy comments about supporting death to infidels or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, how can they use this source to try and criticize us? And look, why don't they go and look at what they're doing and blah, 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 blah. And then I was actually the subject of an official complaint to the head of the ABC as well. And I had more stuff for Media Watch. And, you know, the thing is, I would say to them, hey, I've got more. Don't ring us. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, don't talk to us again. Don't ring us again. It's okay. Wow. Um, And and why? Because we really, that was like giving the Daily Telegraph a really punch in the head, the editor, because we really embarrassed them. It's amazing. Uh, uh, and, And look, this is why I'm telling you these things is that, when I speak about setting something up, it's not that difficult to do, you, mm. you know, and especially now with technology mm. and having an online thing. If people really think about coming together and saying, hey, I'm willing, while I'm at work every day, I'll skim through the Daily Telegraph and if there's anything rubbish there, I'll, I'll just send it in and say page five, you know, this story. And I, I guess with well. um, Muslim Village, you've got the manpower as well. Well, not really. Um, you know, how many people do you think run Muslim Village? I mean, volunteers. <laughs> I mean, volunteers, of course. Your, your yeah. leaders and, you know, the people who... Yeah, look, ultimately, I'm a big believer in, um, look, volunteers you can only use for so long. Mm. Um, unless you've got a massive pool of them, you really have to start paying people. Like, someone should be paid to do this on a full-time basis, mm. really, and should be paid quite well. And this is another thing in our community. I don't like how this... We want people to do community work. Hey, but no, don't worry about their families. Don't worry about them having a, a normal lifestyle like yeah. everyone else. No, you work 100 hours a week and you'll get paid 30000 or $40,000. Know? <laughs> <laughs> and, and this is the reality of yeah. what happens. You know, I, I would rather someone know, you come in, I'll pay you $100,000 a year and this is your passion and you do it day and night. Uh, you know, this is what you need to happen. And if you're going to have two or three of those people, you can do amazing things. Yeah. Um, so, inshallah, our community will reach a stage of maturity where we will be at the stage to do something like that in, in the near future. I, I really hope, and I really think it's needed, because what happens is when there's no one stopping these guys, they just get they do they get more emboldened, and then they'll just write more and more things. They get more confident. Well, yeah. there's no one really to challenging. Yeah, true. So, true. so that's really um, uh, you know that's how really the media works. You, you can manipulate a lot of things as well. And there's different ways of dealing with the media too. Like I know when I ever get interviewed, I ask for all the questions up front. If I don't get the questions, I don't do the interview, basically. I wanted to ask you about a uh, radio interview I heard you in. Uh, we're supposed to be taking a break now, but uh, I'll just ask you this question really quickly. Okay. Um, I, I mentioned to you this before over the phone as well. When we were um, uh, listening to the radio, because I used to listen to AM radio a lot yep. over the last two years, and um, generally they say you know, quite... 
offensive things about Muslims, you know, um, just a broad brush of every yeah. single Muslim has the same thoughts as the worst person on earth who happens to be a Muslim as well. And when they've had Muslims on the, you know, interviewed Muslims have had Muslims on their show, they would again, um, you know, they would just, you know, speak to them very badly, very disrespectfully. I mean, one person, um, it was Leah Muhammad, the guy who made uh, my piece, and he made the uh, TV advertisements and stuff. So he came in, he spoke very elo- eloquently, he was very good, but the guy kept asking him about the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam's marriage to Aisha. Nothing at all about the show. Mm-hmm. It was just like, oh, this this may cause some offense to Christians. What would you say if I made an ad that says, you know, this and that? And, and Leah didn't have anything to say. So it was very unfair to yeah. us, right? But then... Uh, when you came on the radio show, it wasn't the same person that you spoke to, but um, he spoke to you with a lot of respect. Like, he didn't in- drop the ball once with you. Mm. And I thought it was very interesting. I was just lucky, maybe, I think. Maybe you were lucky, <laughs> maybe not. I don't know. It, it, maybe he caught him on a good day. <laughs> he might have caught him on a good day. I don't know. But the thing is, also, it was about the the, uh, the belting. The, the, well, not the, belting. the whipping. The whipping, the, the whipping of yes. that uh, guy who, um, you know, had some yes. friends who were... Uh, fond of leather belts, I guess, and they came and beat him up. And so, you know, and you're a Muslim. And so when he's talking to you, he's supposed to be saying your religion is this and that, and, you're, you know, you're a terrorist. But in, instead, he was talking to you very nicely, very respectfully as a source. Right, yes. So how did that happen? How did you change okay. the, the... I think probably because I was really representing Muslim village, and I knew about the story. So that was a really strange thing, that whole incident, because the way I got caught up in it was... The story broke. I saw the story on, on the wires myself in the morning, uh, and I had a sneaking suspicion it would be Muslim when it says a guy in Auburn had, was, had his house broken into and was whipped 40 times at 1 yeah. o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Mm, <laughs> this doesn't yeah. sound good. Yeah. I better keep, could it be? yeah. I better keep my eye on this story today. Mm. Um, and then at around 3.30 in the afternoon, I was you know just doing my work, uh, trying to earn a living as well. <laughs> um, even though I do Muslim Village full-time, I still need to do other stuff, alhamdulillah. I got a phone call from Robert Avadia of uh, Channel 7 News. Mm saying to me, have you heard about this story? Yes, I have. He said, well, it's a Muslim Sharia whipping thing. I said, well, how do you know that? Well, the police have come out. They released something just now, and this is going to be the lead story of the 6 o'clock news. Can you find me someone in the community, a Muslim leader in the community? I need them to respond to this. Mm-hmm. And Robert's really good. Robert said, I don't want it to be a big Muslim beat-up rubbish thing. Mm-hmm. I want you, you know, someone to come out and say something. Unlike their sister show today, tonight. Well, yeah. Well, I'll, I'll give you... We can come back after the break and I'll tell you the whole story of what happened with that. Yep. But um, then I said, look, it's 3.30. I can't find you someone. And this is another going back to the issue we said before. We don't have a place they can go to. Who, who's the leader of the community? They don't even know. Yeah. You know, they said to me, oh, should we go to Lakemba Mosque? Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, can you get me someone from now? See, what's the Kimber Mosque got to do with it? You know, and unfortunately, sometimes they will ring up the Kimber Mosque and they'll say, yeah, come and we'll give you a comment when they shouldn't be giving a comment there. Yeah. So I said, um, look, I really can't get you anyone. And he said, well, can you help me out? Can you do it? I said, me? I don't have a title. I don't have a role. Yeah. You know, he said, well, you run the website. You can just come on and say, you know. Okay, who runs the website? And then I said, look, I don't really think it's appropriate. And he, then he said to me, please, I really need this because my producer's telling me if I can't get from us in the Muslim community, guess who we've got ready to go to do this? Okay. Fred Nile. Okay. <laughs> and I said, <laughs> okay, I, when you're given that choice. And yeah, I quickly yeah, made a up. decision and I said, mm. okay, I don't really like doing this, but if that's what it's going to be. I'll, I'll, I'll do it. You know, I made that. Inshallah, it turns out okay. 
And then what I do, um, I sat there, he said to me, okay, meet me down in a park in the city within like 20 minutes. I have a cameraman down there. Because wow. how they do it, they send the cameraman and then he'll talk to you over the mobile phone, yeah. do the interview, and you just talk to the camera. But what you do is I always prepare before. So I actually sat down there and I knew like what the story was. So obviously I want to condemn what happened. So it's got nothing to do with slam. And I hope these guys, you know, are caught and you know judged by the law. So you want to make it. So it's, it's not, not a it's not a religious matter. That's it's, right. It, it's a justice matter. So you take it away. It's an order matter. So we don't say, mm. oh, we don't go and defend Islam and say, oh, you know, yes, the punishment for this and this and blah blah. No, 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 no. There were people who came out and said, well, this, this is the wrong approach to take to, to to calm that down. So, but what I actually did, I rang about three other people and do a quick shorter. Hey, let's run through these statements. Which one do you think? How about this, this, this? We wrote yeah. three sentences at the end. This is like ten minutes sitting in the car. The cameraman rolls up, uh, Robert Vardy rings me, I said, Robert, before you ask me any questions, I read in a statement, what do you think of this? Read it out to him, he said, I'm not doing the interview, you just read that out, that's yeah. perfect. That's all they need really, is a 10 yeah. second sound. And that's what we actually mm. did, we, we sat there and recorded it over and over, and I was going a little bit over the 10 seconds, uh, speak a little bit faster, let's do it again. <laughs> <laughs> and then we got it right, you know, the yeah. three points that we wanted, cut, went to news by 6 o'clock, it was there in the lead thing. Um, next day, of course, I knew the whole talkback thing would start. So from 6 o'clock in the morning, my phone ring, 2GB, producer, TUE, morning show, producer, Today Tonight, producer. Um, so obviously, You ignored the Today Tonight producer? Of course, of course. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what happens then, they ring me, I ring them back, I say, uh, yes, uh, the, you know, we want to do the blah, 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 the interview with you over what happened. I said, okay, you need to email me through the questions straight away. Um, uh, and I said, look, oh, we don't have the... I said, well, you don't send me questions? I don't do interviews. That's how I work. They send you through the questions. Mm. Um, and then you have hold of the questions. And then one tactic that you should use, and I'm going to disclose here because but people can learn from this, yep. is you commit to the interview, and then you get very close to the start of the interview. And if you don't like the questions, you can come back and say, I don't like these questions. I'm not doing this interview. And they've now already... That slot has been taken for you. They can't pull out. Oh. Mm. So they'll say, oh, okay, which one? Oh, look, I'm not answering that question and that question. So what happens when you get the questions? You get to get an understanding of where they're coming from. And then you don't actually answer questions. This is another big secret. You stick to the message that you've got in your head. Yeah. You just deliver that message. You see politicians do it all the time. Yeah. So you answer the question very quickly and you just stick to your message mm. and you rehearse. And that's how you do a good interview. Great tips. Thank you, Brother Ahmed. Um, dear listeners, we're going to go on a break. Malikul Mulk La Sharika Lahu Wahadahu La Ilaha Illahu And we're back. Thank you all for listening. Uh, now, we move on to another um, different um, topic, which is an article that uh, I wanted to discuss with Brother Ahmed and which he sent me. Um, the article was um, put online today on muslimvillage.com.au. It no, was dot com. Dot com. But we own dot com at that. You'll reach us as well. Okay. I always <laughs> go to dot com. That's why I say yeah. dot com. <laughs> So anyways, on muslimvillage.com, the article is called Be the Change You Want to See in the World, which I've heard either in a Michael Jackson song or uh, Gandhi said it or something. It's a Gandhi saying. Gandhi, oh, yes. okay. I thought of actually renaming it The Power of One afterwards. Uh, from uh, Bryce Courtney? Yeah. Okay. It's a good, good book, good movie. 
Okay, so we'll start uh, now. Um, on the surface of the world right now, there is a war of violence and things seem dark. But calmly and quietly, at the same time, something else is happening underground. An inner revolution is taking place and certain individuals are being called to a higher light. It is a silent revolution. From inside out, from the ground up, this is a global operation, a spiritual conspiracy. There are sleeper cells in every nation on the planet. You won't see us on TV. You won't read about us in the newspaper. You won't hear about us on the radio. We don't seek any glory. We don't wear any uniform. We come in all shapes and sizes, colors and styles. Most of us work anonymously. We, we are quietly working behind the scenes in every country and culture of the world, cities big and small, mountains and valleys, in farms and villages, tribes and remote islands. You could pass by one of us on the street and not even notice. We go undercover. We remain behind the scenes. It is of no concern to us who takes the final credit, but simply that the work gets done. Occasionally, we spot each other in the street, we give a quiet nod and continue on our way. That's, uh, <laughs> I don't know what to say, it's uh, interesting. During the day, many of us pretend to have normal jobs, but behind the false storefront at night, there is, a real, there is real work taking place. Some call us the conscious army. We are slowly creating a new world order, or a new world, with the power of our minds and hearts. We follow with passion and joy our orders come from the Central Spiritual Intelligence, which stands for CSI. We are dropping soft secret love bombs when no one is looking. Poems, hugs, music, photography, movies, kind words, smiles, meditation and prayer, and dance, social activism, website blogs, random acts of kindness, etc. We each express ourselves in our own unique way with our own unique gifts and talents. Be the change you want to see in the world. That is the motto, uh, motto that fills, uh, fills our hearts. We know it is the only way, the only real way. Transfer, uh, sorry, we know it's the only real transformation takes place. We know that quietly and humbly we have the power of all the oceans combined. Our work is slow and meticulous, like the formation of the mountains. It is not even visible at first glance, and yet, with it, entire tectonic plates shall be moved in the centuries to come. Love is the new religion of the 21st century. You don't have to be a highly educated person or have any exceptional knowledge or understanding. It comes from the intelligence of the heart and embedded in the timeless evolutionary pulse of all human beings. Be the change you want to see in the world. Nobody else can do it for you. We are now recruiting. Perhaps you would like to join us or already have. All are welcome. The door is open. So that's... Um it's a powerful piece. It's a powerful piece. That was sent to me by a non-Muslim source. So, yeah. um, and I, uh, you know, when I read it, I thought a Muslim person could have, have written this um, in, in what it says. Um, maybe you might disagree a bit with the, 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 the music and the dancing. <laughs> no, I mean, look, the music and the dancing and the hugs, I don't mind, even yes. the meditation. All that stuff is fine. But the difference between Muslims and non-Muslims is that... Muslims have a, a, a pivotal relationship with Allah. So anything they do, it has to have a connection with Allah because otherwise it means nothing. Of course. This yes. has no connection to Allah. This is completely humanistic. Yes. It doesn't come out of the human uh, dimension. You know, but... But you, can, uh, but you could say, if I was writing it as a Muslim that wanted people to perhaps stop and think about how the world is... Uh, and how put it into perspective of you know a lot of people say all these bad things are happening in the world, 
and to say, hey, there's an alternative. You don't maybe have to buy into this stuff that you can be changed. You can do change yourself and it can spread. Um, It is a form of way of enlightening people without necessarily saying, you know, call Allah, call Rasul, for example. Um, So I wouldn't say, you know, I think there's benefit. There is, yeah, there's a and, and I think it's, uh, you know, I think we put it up on our Facebook page and we had people say, one person said, I, I cried when I read this. Um, and, and and this is the thing, people have to understand. I, I wasn't, I was hoping you wouldn't bring up my comment. <laughs> <laughs> I was, yeah. Um, and this is like a thing that we do with Muslim Village, for example. We, and we get criticized a lot for it sometimes. Um, we sort of came to realize that, say, from a Muslim perspective, we probably believe that 10% of the community is probably practicing as Muslims, where they have some connection with their local mosque or, you know, or some, some you know, they attend something on a, on a formal basis. But most people are just out there. They're Muslim. They might, you know, practice their deen, but they don't really understand or they're a bit confused or they're just, they're really Muslim by name a lot of the times. Yeah. And and that's really the people that we're trying to, to reach. So. Yeah. If you can reach them in different ways to give them habba of the deen, love of, of, of the deen, tolerance, acceptance, show them things and that, hey, look, your religion, this thing that we ran this week about the fasting, that, that article, yeah. it sort of validates. We don't need validation. We know that the Rasulullah told us this, That's alhamdulillah, right. but you have to sort of uh, use different techniques sometimes. Yeah. Um, and this is why we ran that type of article. Um, look, I, I like it. It's, it's a beautiful article. Yes. And... Um, you, of course, have much more experience in interacting with Muslims and non-Muslims than me, so this is my only, my <laughs> humble opinion. Mm. No, um, uh, we are all open to uh, differences of opinion. Uh, um, yeah. in, in terms of, for example, if I heard this or read this or was told of this by a non-Muslim, I would think that's a beautiful thing because that non-Muslim will eventually, if he's, you know, his feelings uh, are true about these sentiments, then he will naturally come to see the the um, the essence of Allah and everything. Well, maybe this article is a reflection of true fitra. Um, yeah, the fitra exactly. that's hidden underneath. Uh, that when people are, have reached that enlightenment of finding Allah in their lives, and a lot of times that you will find a lot of people that are not Muslim or even maybe Muslim but away from the the deen, is that when something dramatic happens in their life, it could be an illness or a death or you know some sort of a catastrophe. It makes the what happens in their life stops. Their normal nine to five, going to work, get up. It will stop, and then that's a time for them to reflect mm-hmm. on what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes from that reflection, they, they become enlightened. Yeah. Um, and that's what I feel. This article is sort of like someone that's reached maybe some that stage. See, the, the problem that I have with this article is that it represents the new pseudo-spirituality. You know, this Kabbalah stuff where you put on something on your wrist and you yes. say, I'm one with the world. These sentiments, what they, I mean, what I see them as doing is completely taking away the core of spirituality, which is God, the Creator, mm. and the relationship you have. And they come up with things like, oh, you know, meditate on nothing, love your fellow man, which is good. But again, it's like, um, I don't know, it's like somebody writing poetry about love, but he's never been in love. You know what I mean? The sentiment is there, mm. but the core, the purpose for it being there is not there. But do you believe, uh, this is a personal belief of mine, is that, I believe that there's some spiritual energy going on globally, especially within the Muslim world. These uprisings that we've seen, the people, this is not artificial things. This is something inside the people. And we know what Allah says. He will not change the state of the people unless they change themselves. So I think people are have reached a stage where they're saying, look, 
we've tried this, we've tried this, we've Wait, tried this. They're fed up and they want to change. It doesn't work. We want to go back and try what we are. I and mean, we are Muslim and this is the way of Allah. We want to go and be good citizens. We want to help each other. We want to become better people. Go back to the grassroots. And, and well, you know, I'm always a big fan of the bottom up scenario. Yeah, Society yeah, will build when the people you help you, you work on yourself, then you work on your family, then you work on your neighbor, then you work on your community, then you work on your state, and then you work on your country. Yeah. And then the whole ummah will come together, inshallah. This, this is how things need to, to drive. So people might be critical of doing little things like a cleanup thing or a little and call it trivial, but it's actually not. You need people to get involved. People are so, they're so lost. We have, we're, all of us are so, we have a lot of illnesses, uh, uh, spiritual illnesses, because we're so caught up in the world, and it's very, very difficult um, to get caught up uh, in the, uh, with, you know, with, it's easy to get caught up, sorry, in your day-to-day life yeah. with, with these things. That's very true. But Jazakallah Khan, it is a very beautiful article. And um, unfortunately, I'm not the type of person who gets so touched that I cry. <laughs> I, uh, cry more over things like you know the movie The Power of One rather than you know reading things of spiritual. I you should have nature. changed the title. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Subhanallah. I mean, some of us have hard hearts, and we need to work on softening them, inshallah. Um, now, I'd like to, in the last couple of minutes, talk to you about the uh, initiative that you're leading for Clean Up Australia Day. Yes. Now, this I think is a brilliant initiative because I prayed where you were talking about once, and I was disgusted with it. Yes. And I was just like, sometimes I hate being part of this Muslim community that sort of sees the, the, the garbage and just walks over it. It's just so depressing. So I'm, I'm very glad about it. Please tell us. Tell yes, us. it's actually a joint initiative between Muslim Village and FAMSI. And basically, if people aren't familiar with it, there is a uh, Clean Up Australia Day next Sunday uh, in Australia, throughout Australia. With, you know, people go in their local neighborhood and they pick a little location and they clean it up. Um, and basically, that spot to me is right behind our office, and I park my car near there. And one day, it just dawned on me that how many people from our community walk past that rubbish tip, the timber tip, I fondly call it, and they don't care. What park are we talking about? It's actually just a laneway um, behind uh, in Lakemba, in Croydon Lane, Lakemba. So nine o'clock next uh, next Sunday, we'll be there to start cleaning it. Um, and then what really sort of infuriated me, infuriated me was someone came and stuck up a poster promoting an Islamic event, <laughs> and it said Islam, the true civilization. Oh, oh that's wow! Okay. Uh, no, no, no. Was it, it wasn't Hasb Tahrir, and it's not a Hasb Tahrir uh, thing. <laughs> naughty! Don't get me in trouble. It doesn't. It doesn't matter what organisation it was, but it wasn't Hasb Tahrir. But um, they put that poster up, right? And then it dawned on me. I said, "Look, someone's gone to the trouble of putting this neat poster up, sticky taped, all neat and tidy." But the surroundings around the poster, and it's saying, "It's mm. the true civilization." Mm. This is uh, this is why we've become superficial. Why we have illnesses. What I was alluding to before. Mm. We talk about how great we are and how Islam is this and Islam is that, and it'll do this and this to you. However, we can't even have a street that's clean. Mm. How many hundred you prayed at that place? How many hundred people walk out after Jummah and walk through that place, and no one stops to even care that this yeah. stinks, that it's the rubbish that's there, and this is the most basic form of iman. It's to, to it's actually to be it's very clean. connected with the prayer as well because the people that came in and waited outside in the rubbish, they were just sort of smoking, talking. They weren't really into the prayer, and then they just couldn't believe that prayer was finished, so they can just run away. So again, that connection with the prayer 
it's reflected on on the you know the. Well, it's the, the whole the thing of the community. We need everyone. Like I said, you start with your with yourself and your local area. You do what you can. Like, if we can be the leaders now, what we're talking with uh, Canterbury Council is actually I had a big meeting with them yesterday. Is that we want to clean it up, but have an ongoing thing. And they were saying now they want to make us part of some pilot uh, study that they want to do to see if we can get community involvement to clean the streets. And if it works, we can do it in other areas. So. Um, and hey, if we can clean up a whole heap of streets, then uh, I think we've done really, really well uh, from a, just a very basic point of view. That's, my, sure. that's great, mashallah. If people wanted to know information about it, where, where do they go? Muslim Village? Or? Yeah, we haven't actually been. See, we're so bad. We're, our own events we don't put up. <laughs> but we have something up there on Monday. But definitely, it's registered with the Clean Up Australia website. So um, you can just search Clean Up Australia Lakemba. I think there's a two or three spots. I think the, actually Lakemba Mosque is also doing one. Okay. Um, so, but our one, I think on Facebook, someone's put up an event for it as well. Uh, so we'd, I'm sure they'll find it. Uh, Clean Up Australia Day in Lakemba in Croydon Lane. Inshallah. Now, um Jazakallah khairan brother for coming yeah, cool. to the station. Um, give us in a minute um, your pearl of wisdom. My pearl of wisdom? Yes. Uh, the, the people listening, they live in Australia. They see the, the problems that Muslims are having with the media. If you have one thing that you wanted to tell the Muslims to do to represent themselves better, um, you know, if it's, for example, on a day-to-day basis for them personally or if they work in an organization, a Muslim organization, for example, what is yes. your advice to them? Every single one of us is a day. Every single one of us is a caller to Islam, whether we like it or not. If we get identified as being Muslim, whether we have a beard or we wear a hijab or we look Muslim, we are the people that the deen is going to get judged by us. We're the ambassadors. We are all the billboards. We talk about the My Peace billboards. Mm. We're all billboards. We're all walking billboards in all our actions. So what does that mean? That means everything we do, whether it's at work, whether it's at school, whether it's walking down the street, whether it's driving in our car, um, everything that we do, especially if we outwardly identify as Muslim, you are representing the deen. You're not representing yourself. So it's an amazing opportunity for da'wah. Uh, you know, and it's also got the other edge of that sword. Is It's an amazing opportunity to turn people off Islam as well. If you do behave or act in a way that's uh, negative, mm. unfortunately, people are going to use that to brand the whole religion. So each and every one of us can make a difference. And each and every one of us, if they make the intention, get up in the morning and say, I'm going to be the best person at work. I'm going to get up on the in the, the train and let the old lady sit down. I'm going to pick up the piece of rubbish in the street that I see. I'm going to smile at people when I see them. I'm going to be cleaning my clothes in my presentation. You know, I'm going to do all these little things. If, you know, we have half a million Muslims in Australia, wallahi, if they all had this attitude, this country will, will see Islam in a completely different light. And this is how... The Indonesia was opened up and all these countries by, by, by the akhlaq, by the adab. So we need more akhlaq, more adab, and more manners. And manners is more important than alam. <laughs> and that's what we've forgotten. We need to go back to basics and, and just it's, be the uh, example for the deen. They both depend on each other. When yes. uh, the Sahaba came and asked Aisha, what, is, what was the uh, khulq of the Prophet ﷺ? She said his khulq was the Qur'an. Yes. So if we don't know our deen, we don't know our khulq. Yes, yes. So, Jazakallah um, khairan. That's Wayakum. beautiful advice. Uh, we come now to the end of our show, and um, I've got a little surprise. It's actually the last episode of Friday Night Live. So, um, what's going to happen is, um, like a phoenix, I'm not going to use the Jesus metaphor, like a phoenix. Uh, Lazarus, Lazarus. Lazarus. This is the one that you should have used today. I know you used Jesus, alayhi salam. But there's a guy called Lazarus from Australian history. You can look it up later. It's like a comeback 
greater than Lazarus. That's how they used to describe John Howard. Okay. But sorry, I digress. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I like the Phoenix bit because it's yeah. a particular role. And, uh, so anyways, Lazarus or Phoenix. Uh, we're going to rise in another two weeks. We're going to have a different name. Uh, we're going to have a um, uh, like an introductory musical bit. It may have music, it may not. I'm not sure yet. And uh, we, were, we will have uh, lots of very exciting um, shows about all sorts of things, inshallah. So, um, it sounds exciting. It is very exciting. And um, we are uh, very excited for it, inshallah. And we look forward to seeing you guys in about two or three weeks, inshallah. Jazakum Allah khairan. And uh, actually, Amr's uh, son, Ahmed, who graced us with his presence uh, a week or two ago, would like to say something. So, Ahmed, would you like to... Um, with some words of knowledge. Yes, um, thank you for watching Quran Karim Radio. Don't forget that um, t- today is is the last episode of of the Friday nights live on Quran Karim Radio. Thank you very much, <laughs> and uh, thank you our listeners again for watching. Uh, thank you to our guest Ahmed Kalani. And uh, from your host, Nasser Al-Khatib, and your co-host, uh, Samer, sorry, Amr uh, Sami. <laughs> right? Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> You're very, close. Very bad with names, man. Very bad with names. <laughs> All right. Uh, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Assalamu alaikum.